Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, and thank you for joining us for Powerful Radio. I'm Dr. Nefertiti Noel. And I'm Darren Noel. And just for the newbies, we're going to introduce ourselves, and we have a guest tonight. Um, so um, my name is Dr. Nefertiti Noel. I run a thriving private practice in Naperville, Illinois, Chicago, Illinois, and online. So wherever you are, you can reach us. Um, we service people that have behavioral health issues, mental health issues, and emotional issues. That's basically what we do. And we do anything from individual therapy to group therapy to medication management to um, all sorts of things. So everything in between that. Um, Darren, what do you do? Exactly. My background is in corporate America. Here at Nirvana Associates, I focus on life coaching and career counseling. Absolutely. If you have questions for tonight's program, feel free to call in to 323-693-3835, um, and they'll give you some directions on how to ask a question. Do know that, that that questions pile up quickly. So I've got about four of the people emailed to me, but if you've got big questions you want to ask, do that. Um, we're going to introduce to you tonight one of our newest clinicians, um, Mindy Levin Lee. And Darren's going to tell you a little bit about her. Yeah, so glad to have Mindy Levin Lee here, who practices out of our Chicago office. Uh, Mindy's a licensed clinical social worker. She has a master's in social work from NYU, as well as an advanced certificate in social work from NYU. And she's been practicing in the field for over 30 years. So we have a wealth of experience here on our show tonight. So we're glad to have Mindy. Welcome to the show, Mindy. Hi, thank you so much. It's great to be here. And I've Loved working for you. It's been great to work out in Chicago. Mm-hmm. One great thing that, that let me just tell you this about Mindy. One of the I met her at a training. We were getting CEUs together, and I really liked her personality, which I think matters. Um, I think it does too. Um, especially if you're getting therapy from someone, it matters that you're able to build a rapport with them. Yeah, absolutely. And um, Mindy was. Because we had a little bit of a dry group, I think, for our training. Yes, we did. <laughs> and Mindy was able to build rapport with people around her, which I think is really big, um, which I think is important for therapy. So if you're looking for someone that can sort of, and rapport is kind of like every therapist looks for a way to connect with their client, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. Um, to find that thing, even if it's like, I'm always looking to see, okay, can we connect on nail polish shoes? Uh, anything, like anything, where we're right. from, like right. do we like chocolate, does somebody drink tea, we're always looking for something, and yes. I think a good clinician such as Mindy knows how to find that thing. Absolutely, and it's so important because it's our job to get to know them mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. know where, you know, where their strengths are and who they are and what they want from their lives. So mm-hmm. I think having that open rapport where people could come into your office and feel mm-hmm. at home mm-hmm. and and help you to learn about them is really powerful, and it lends itself to a good collaboration between therapist and client. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I love the word collaboration, right, that um, as clinicians we're working with you yes. to yep. to help you basically resolve your own issues, right? Yes. Like, yes. Because, I, go ahead. I always tell my patients they're my boss. Uh-huh. You know, I, uh-huh. I work for them. Absolutely. So, Minnie, tell people why you decided to become a therapist. What's, what's your take on that? Um, I actually started out in business and retailing. Okay. And I realized I was not a dollar bottom line person. This was many, many years ago. Mm-hmm. And really realized that my strength and what I wanted to do was help people around me. Mm-hmm. And looked into programs and found that through social work I could do that. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Awesome. Can yeah. you tell us what social work is? So I think that's another interesting thing for clients trying to figure yeah. out. Should you see a social worker? Should you see a counselor? Should you see a psychologist? Should you see a coach as there's right. a coach? Should you right. see who should you see? So tell me kind of what what is in your mind what is social work? 
Okay, and, and you know, that, that's a really good question mm-hmm. because right now there are so many different types of professionals that are mm-hmm. in our field, and it's hard to clarify which each mm-hmm. specialty is. Mm-hmm. So I would say social workers tend to take a holistic view of the, of the patient. We look at how um, they fit in their community. We look at their supports. Mm-hmm. We look at their thought processes. Um, where we look at their um, situation, mm-hmm. if, you know, financial, whatever the health, all the things that mm-hmm. come into play to making a person a whole mm-hmm. person. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's how we do our work. So we, it's a community-based perspective mm-hmm. on trying to get to know an individual in the community. Awesome. And you know what's so interesting about I am not a social worker. So I was not trained to think as a social worker. And I think it's really interesting that um, every therapist's brain works a wee bit different, right? Right, And how we get to understanding a client is different. And I think I love the idea of considering person and community, right? Right. Because it gives you as a clinician a chance to get to know someone and and the way they act upon the world and the way the world acts upon them. That's right. I I think that's amazing. Right. So demystify it for us. Somebody comes in to see Mindy, and then what happens? Um, I try to get to know them. Mm -hmm. I try to get to know where they feel that, you know, where they feel they belong Mm -hmm. in the world, basically, if they have a sense of themselves, if they, what, what their problems are, what their issue is, who they are, what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are. Are they, um, putting roadblocks in their own way. Are they not? Is the roadblock the what's around them or right. is it within? Mm-hmm. Um, so when people come in to see me, that's really what I first try to do is to get to know the person and establish what they need and what they want to become. Okay. Um, and, and from that, I take it, we, we make goals together, we set objectives, and we work out ways to help them meet, that, that client meet their personal objectives and goals. Do you think you've changed your style from, like, beginning to do therapy to where you are today? Absolutely. So what's that been like for you? Um, The field itself has changed so much. Mm -hmm. So when I was in the field 30 years ago, we were still very much doing insight-oriented behavioral work. Okay. Um, Since then, it's gotten much more results-based, and I, I, I feel that there are a lot better tools at our disposal to be able to help a person to get where they need to be. Okay. So it's not so much free association and let's see where it all goes. Right. It's, it's, these are, there are specific tools and methods that I can help you use that will help you to get where you want to be. Got it. Okay, got it. Has that stretched you? Has that changed? Like, do you still feel like you're doing good therapy even though you're changing some things about how you do it and where and the field is also pulling you in a particular direction? You know, I think the fun thing for me is that when I'm working with clients, I, I have to I know or I need to learn what approach I need to use. So yes, it's changed me, but I look at it more like a puzzle, like where does one piece what one type of therapy fit in with another type of therapy. Okay. And, and so my approach with each client is different. Okay. And, okay. and so, if anything, my knowledge base has improved, and that's what I'm pulling on. Got it. So I, I think Minnie just hit – you were going to say something? No, it's right. I think Minnie just hit something really huge that the knowledge base has improved and changed. So like, I, I had a patient ask me, how come, like, 15 years ago, Asperger's wasn't a big deal, and now – Autism, Asperger's is a big deal. What's changed? Right. And I was telling that client that we have a word for it now. 
That's right. And we have um, a body of evidence that shows us that Asperger's is real, autism is real, that there are similarities in, in different, like we can see across the spectrum that there, it's always been so. Right. We just didn't have a name for it, right? right? It probably was all lumped in one time, into one, ca- one category, right? Everybody had one diagnosis, but now... 30 years from now, there's five diagnosed for the same. Right. It's very more specific now than it was before. Right. Like, none of us were alive when Freud was here. However, histrionics was huge when he came out, right? Because right, it's right. like he was seeing it everywhere, right? Right, right. But um, hysterics wasn't new, right? right. He was just uh, able uh, to, right. to, to have a word for it. And as we grow as a field and as people get into the field and um, see things with their own eyes, we each begin to change a little bit because we are able as clinicians to see their vision, right? And we go, Absolutely. oh, so that's what bipolar disorder is, right? Right. So, so how do you come to a diagnosis, Mindy? Like when you're deciding on a diagnosis for someone, what are you looking at? You know, I've done a lot of reading and a lot of research, and I've taken a lot of classes on this, and I'm looking for behavioral traits. Okay. But quite frankly, I, I don't, I mean, to me, a diagnosis is something that helps get insurance. I don't think anybody clearly fits into one diagnosis. I think we're all a cluster of, di- you know, of different personality aspects, and, and there's certain ones that are stronger than others. So I don't know that I put that much faith into a diagnosis. It, it's just a guideline to help me kind of get where I'm going mm-hmm. and, um, you know, insurance also. But I okay. think it's important to know what, who we're working with. Absolutely. Do, do you find, one of the things I found in the therapy room is people are afraid to be called the C word. They think that someone somehow, at the end of my session, they'll say, so am I crazy? Right. Have you had that right. before? Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. I sit there thinking, of course not, right? Like, right. Because, number one, we don't have a diagnosis that's crazy, right? There right. is, there there is, is not no that. Step. Right. Um, and I also think it's a style, too, like you're right. To be paid, we have to have a diagnosis. Right. But also, I think we've both found, any other clinician listening has found, that um, at any given point, I can ask a client a string of questions and find a different avenue to go down, right? That's right. It's a matter of kind of which thing is the most prevalent for you now and how do we manage now to where you want to be. Exactly. Exactly. And and I think that the hardest part about the whole crazy thing is that – First of all, everybody has things that aren't going well for them. Mm-hmm. And, and it's the stigma that's been put on people throughout the years that if, if they're sad, if things aren't going well, you know, if they're dealing with certain personality traits or issues, that there's something wrong with it. And there's not. And I almost would like to take the word crazy out of the, the vocabulary. Right. Yeah. It's so interesting because I think stigma is changing but not necessarily lifting, right? Like, yes. I think there's a way that, okay, so now depression is okay, but schizophrenia won't be. You know what right, I mean? Right. Like that some, There's this way where people think, well, that's a small diagnosis and that's a big diagnosis, as opposed to understanding that most clinicians don't even want to give you a huge diagnosis, but it gives us a framework. Um, it's like the way if I look at, if I go to um, a restaurant and I look at a menu, they have salads in a particular place. So I know what I'm about right, to get into right, when I look right, down, right? right. Um, but I can always make changes, and there's some things that are salads that aren't on that list. And, That's right. You know, it just gives us a framework to work on. That's what um, it is. But, but no one looks at you and says, oh, there's bipolar disorder walking through the door. The other thing that's also amazed me over the years is there seems to be a catchphrase for diagnoses mm-hmm. that come in waves. So, 
you know, for a while lately it's Asperger's. That's not taking away from what Asperger's mm-hmm. truly is. Mm-hmm. But, and then before it was borderline, everybody was borderline. And before that, everybody was bipolar. And, it's like you know, trending. Yeah, yeah, like the trending yeah. illness. And so, mm-hmm. you know, to me also, I, I, I get very uncomfortable sometimes where people come in and they, they looked online and they mm-hmm. said, I see these traits yeah. in myself and I'm, I'm a yeah. borderline. I have Asperger's. Absolutely. Or people that say, I, I, I probably get this 50 out of 100 times. Dr. Mall, I have OCD. Like, that's, that's, that's right. people. So right. I said, well, what makes it? I like a clean house. Right. I, I mop a lot. <laughs> right, right. Oh, you're just tidy. That right. is not OCD. Right. 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 That people have somehow, um, they see the words, and then they, it almost becomes cute to say that they are. Whatever right. their diagnosis is. Right. Um, and have you noticed this with treatments, too? Like, for a while, everybody came in and said, Dr. Mel, do you know how to do ACT therapy? Absolutely. Do you know how to do DBT? Right. Do you know how to do EMDR? Right. And I said, well, what is that? Like, I know what it is, but tell me what the right. E and EMDR right. stands for. Right. Oh, well, it's, I saw it online, and I always tell people, I can treat your trauma. Right. And I can even tell you that I can do EMDR. But it doesn't mean that because you looked it up, it's the best thing for what you have going on, right? Right, And so, yeah, I think that the Internet has changed therapy because people come in with kind of a list of demands. And I love that people are educated. Oh, I do too. I do too. But a lot of people are miseducated. So It's the self-diagnosis that, right. that I, I don't think anybody should put a label on themselves, you know? No. no. And that could be an interesting conversation. If they come in and want that particular treatment, and you're saying, well, this really may not be what really you need to help help you move to the next level. Correct. Right. That's an interesting conversation with the patient. It is. Well, you know what makes it interesting is that I think in therapy, probably more than other fields, I would say, um, people feel like they have as much knowledge as a therapist. Right. Because they've watched the Super Soul Sunday or they've seen a Heal Thyself special and right. they come in and they go, so I kind of know what to do. Here's what to do. And though I would think Mindy would agree with this, that you do probably know what to do. The, the, like something like a depression or a bipolar disorder is bigger than just the coping skills. Right. It's a whole group of factors that contribute to a certain behavior. Yes. And and how that behavior looks on a person. And when you're in depression or in bipolar disorder, it's harder to see a solution that's right. than a clinician that's sitting there and we're not in that with you. Right. right? We can empathize beside right. you. Right. But we're not in it with you, so we're not muddied by all of the feelings that you maybe have. That's right. right. Yeah. No, yeah. I agree. Yeah. And so by the way, we're supposed to be talking about dealing with depression as we were introduced right, in Mindy, right. and um, I think we just kind of got into talking, which is one of the things I love about Mindy. She can have a conversation with you, and I love that we can have a back and forth. And I think for people that have never gotten therapy or you've gotten bad therapy, because I'm sure you've gotten patients like that. Yes. yes. That have been to a therapist that for some reason the experience has been negative. And so they get to you, and they're like, oh, oh, I don't know what to do. Um that you can help them with that. I mean, I think, yes. And I think one thing before we go into yes. depression that I really want to stress mm-hmm. is I really wanted to stick, destigmatize the whole thing about having problems and needing to go see someone to get extra help. Um, and, and there's still a huge stigma about it, feeling mm-hmm. that you, you know, I guess it's like an American thing to pick yourself up by your bootstraps. Sometimes yes. you just need to see someone, and there shouldn't be a stigma attached mm-hmm. to getting help. Absolutely. Nothing wrong with that at all. I mean, people see some therapists talk about job changes, moving, how to deal with that, just talk through different things about finance at the times. Mm-hmm. It's just another voice to talk to, a professional who's unbiased, 
can give you advice or lines. And it's not a weakness if you need to reach out and get some help. Oh, let's dig into that a little bit. Tell me about, why do you use that statement, not a weakness? Because I'm sure people come in and feel that way. Because over the years, I've dealt with a number of people who do, who do say that, that or, or people that refuse to go to therapy or have refused to go to therapy because they're going to handle it themselves. Mm-hmm. Or they come in feeling guilty that they're in therapy or ashamed that they need some help mm-hmm. um, to get through a certain situation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to me, the most important thing is just getting through it. Absolutely. Right. Right. Or that some people feel like um, getting therapy means they're weak. Yeah, yeah. That's In some way. Yeah. That, that, and that's the stigma. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought I was stronger. I have people that come in and say I was stronger than them. Yeah. Like, I thought, Dr. Rosa, I was stronger than them. Right. And then they start crying because it's like, but I have to see you. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. Right. <laughs> it's okay. It's funny because it's not on the medical side. Like, don't embrace their arm. You don't feel weak because you had to go to the doctor to help me with my and broken you know, arm. Karen, I say that all the time. Right. I say, you know, you have to treat this just mm-hmm. like anything else. If you have diabetes, yes. you don't want mm-hmm. to take your insulin. You right. go to the doctor. You get Absolutely. that help you need. Absolutely. Yeah. No shade, right? No shade. If when a tornado hits and the house is totaled. Right. Most people don't rebuild the house themselves. That's right. right? That's right. They have a crisis situation. Go to professionals. They call somebody and they say, hey, I have insurance. Um, The house has disappeared. It's gone with the wind. Can you help me rebuild it? Right. And no one's even, like, like, uh, recently with Notre Dame burning down. Right. They're asking for help. And people are... Calling to say, we will rebuild with you. Right, right. And there's no weakness in that. No. A freak fire happened, which was a trauma to the building, right? Which is just like how therapy happens. It burns down. There's a shell of the building left, and people say rebuild. Right. People are happy to help. Happy to help. Happy to help. That's right. And and no one says, you know, I'm really ashamed that it burned down. People say this was horrible. This was an accident. I can't believe something that was 850 years old could leave. I thought it would last forever. forever. I wish I had a chance to go see it. But with therapy, people go, I had a trauma. Um, I'm, somebody's parent passed away. I thought that I could get over it, but I'm just a shell of myself. Right. Instead of saying, hey, help me because I feel like there's something left to salvage here. Right, yeah. right. Right, yeah. and, and again, I want to stress there's no stigma in them. There's no weakness. If anything, I think it's just strength and flexibility, which we all need to get through life. Absolutely. You know, to Recognize. be able to look at different ways on how to correct a problem. Right. Absolutely. I think it's strength to realize when you do need help, right? That's a mature mindset. You know what? I realize I can't handle this on my own. I do need to seek professional help, so let me go get it. Right? And I think it's very adult to, to be able to search for resources. Yes. yes. And I feel like a clinician is a resource, right? Yes, absolutely. I'm, because I'm sure you've got so much knowledge in your head that you could data dump on somebody, right? Yeah. But they can't get it if they don't call, right? Absolutely. <laughs> they can't get it if they don't call. Tell me, tell me one of the um, – what do you think is the most prevalent reason that people come to see you? Or does oh, it vary? there's so many. Um, you know, I, I did work with a lot of elderly. Okay. And and a lot of them was just dealing with all the changes that go on in their life, losing mm-hmm. friends, losing the world they know, dealing mm-hmm. with chronic illness. Mm-hmm. Um, people come in with transitions. They've changed. They've become empty nesters mm-hmm. or they're adjusting to having new babies mm-hmm. or, mm-hmm. you know, um, and then I get people who come in because they have depression or because they have a chronic illness that mm-hmm. requires attention. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I, I don't know. I always kind of look at it like there's, I think the three biggest things I deal with okay. are grief and bereavement. Okay. That's one. The other thing would be trauma. 
And the other thing would be the different um, personality and mood disorders that people have. Okay, perfect. And, and do you, do you, when people come in, is there ever a person that you go, oh, my gosh, they're so sick, I don't think I can help them? No. Okay. I think that's so important for people to hear because I think some people feel like what they're dealing with is so bad right. that I don't want to tell this clinician because she may not be able to handle um, what I have going on. That's right? right. And I can almost guarantee you that after 30 years of practice, there's not much you're going to say to shock Lindsay. Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. And I think as clinicians, we hear all sorts of life stuff right. happening that sits Good, on bad, yeah. right, 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 that sits on the sofa, and it's like, okay, how do we deal with life? And right. I think um, therapy helps with life, whether it's whether you think it's pathological or not. We all have had some pathology in our life, absolutely. You know, to deal with. Yeah, yeah, and I think. Um, a lot of people have to get get over the fact that you're telling someone, because I think a lot of cultures teach that. If it happened in this house, keep it in this house. That's right. Like that's bigger trauma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't tell anybody. Right. Because if you tell somebody, then they're going to judge you, right? Like right. we teach kids or that. Or this is a family secret. Right. Yeah, yeah. And even things like depression can be a family secret. Absolutely. Like um, I've noticed that with suicide, people won't say a word about how somebody passed away. Right. They'll say that, um, you know, something happened and they just transitioned. Like people hide it. And so because they're hiding the depression before it gets to suicide and they can't talk about it, people are like having no way out. So don't talk about it with the family. Don't talk about it with a therapist. Just don't talk about but it. that's just the opposite right. of what they need. As right, right. They need to be able to go and talk about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All that pressure building up inside, and they have no, no vehicle to ask for help or express it or work through it. Right. And, right. and I think the most important, you know, talking about depression, going back to that, is, is when you're in that, you don't feel mm-hmm. that there's a light, but nothing stays the same. And, and eventually there is a light. Absolutely. So when we talk about suicide, when we talk about depression, you know, for me as a therapist, I want people to know that, yes, things will change. Nothing stays the same. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and we can get you to a part where this is in the past. Absolutely. Like the sun's going to come up tomorrow, That's right? That's right. Like a, and for folks that live in Chicago, like January, was it? We had like a vortex. It was, it was like right. February. February. Was that February? Was that Everything to do things that just simply aren't true. Mm-hmm. 
And I think at that point you have to push yourself to go out of your urges. So instead of lying down and being in bed all day, mm-hmm. you have to push yourself to get out and go out. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite description of depression, uh-huh. um, my daughter was big into Harry Potter. Okay. And they talk about these characters called t- dementors. Okay. Oh, yeah. And if yeah. dementors give you the dementor kiss, they suck all the salt, the happiness out of you, and all you could think is bad thoughts. Okay. And to me, that's what depression is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so some of the tools, like I said, is to go against your, what, you're, what you're being told to do. And even though it may seem like a lot of work, getting yourself out, doing some exercise, actually it's going to make you feel better. You just have to resist those urges. Mm-hmm. Um, other things are, I think, you know, you, you could clean up your diet. Mm-hmm. You, you can um, go on medication if it's just so persistent that you feel you need to go that route. Mm-hmm. And again, I don't see any shame in it. People don't doesn't mean you're going to be on it forever. It's mm. just like let's level the playing field, and then it also gives us as therapists a chance to be able to talk to somebody um, and help them to build um, skills so they don't have to go through it again, or at least notice the triggers. Absolutely, that's a great point. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. That's a great point. That sometimes they do need a medication, but like I said, it's not a lifelong uh, sentence at that point. It right. Just, maybe it's good for a short amount of time, and then as you talk to your therapist, work through that and build those coping skills and ways to uh, deal with the depression. Absolutely. And I also think therapy gives you – one of the things we do is try to give you a thousand tools so that you can pick five oh, And we were just talking work. about yeah. that. We were talking about, you know, exercise. Well, some people don't want exercise. Absolutely. Uh, meditation. Well, some people don't want to meditate journaling when people don't want to journal. Absolutely. But all you need is one or two or three things that work for you. Correct. And that's going to help pull you out. And and so we have all the suggestions, and you have to pick what works for you. Absolutely. And then you have to do it, right? Wouldn't you say right. that? Like... Absolutely. <laughs> and, and, again, the depression is going to tell you to lay down and not Absolutely. to do it. Absolutely. And that is no different than um, for about a year I had this chronic leg pain that would not leave. And I tried everything until something worked. And what worked was a trip to Vegas, oddly enough. <laughs> um, and the heat took away the pain. And then I went swimming and I realized the water was taking away the pain. Right. And then after my leg felt so good, I started doing yoga and that helped with the pain. Right. But that wasn't, I didn't go into it with that. I went into it going to the ER saying, I, I can't walk, what's going on? Right. And, and they gave me a bag of pills and I was like, okay, right. what other strategies do we have? You know right. what I'm saying? Right. So I didn't like some of the strategies they gave me, but I went long enough to get some strategies that would work for me. And and now for this year, I've had no pain at all. The other thing also I think is important because it is a biological illness. Um, I, I also, when my patients come into me, I like them to go and get a checkup and make sure that it's not anything else that's making them feel that way. Low vitamin B, low vitamin D. Absolutely. You know, any of the things that, that can lead you to feel low iron, anything that could lead you to feel like you don't have the energy or the strength. Absolutely. And, and what's interesting, so I have an SAD light in my uh, office, a seasonal affect disorder light. Yeah. And so I call it the grow light. And all winter long I have on the grow light. And there are some people that put their hands up, they don't like it, it's too bright. Because there's other people that don't notice it right. because it makes them feel great, you know. There's some people that say, cut that light on, it feels really great, right? right. But when people walk in and they say, why do you have that light? And I'm like, well, it's a tool. And then I have essential oil going, why do you have that? Some people really love it. Some people don't smell it at all. Like, we also model for you, right? So if you come and you meet Mindy, she's also modeling behavior for you. She is going to be, like, literally in my session, some therapists don't 
do anything. I don't drink any water or anything. I drink liquid. I drink water literally. I, I drink liquid the whole time, too. And Most I encourage people to come in and do the same thing. Absolutely. I tell people, hey, this may be something that helps you to just um, right. move the fluids in your body or to, or to make you feel differently. And the training that Mindy and I were at, they told us something about, now I forgot what he called it, but it was something that I was already doing and didn't even know it. I had a yeah. hot cup of liquid and a cold cup of liquid, and right, I ended up right, right, yes, he was talking about that. That was also, like, yeah. less nostril, right? Yeah, yeah. And I was like, that's interesting. We both realized there were some things we were already doing that we were modeling for clients that we hadn't even thought about, right? Because yes. as a clinician, at least in the therapy room, maybe not in everyday life, we try to have together um, to do what we have to do. But a couple things. If you want to see Mindy, she's downtown Chicago in a 605 North Michigan location. Call the office at 630-428-2344 and ask specifically for Mindy Lee. We call her MLL here. That's how we keep up with her. Um, but make sure that if you have additional questions that you want to run by Mindy, that you reach out, set up a session, and work with her. Is there anything else you want to add? Well, I would really look forward to hearing from people. I, I into this field because I wanted to help people. Mm-hmm. So I would like people to be able to lean in and rely on me. Absolutely. And, you know, one thing I also want you to know just about therapy and particularly Mindy's style is that she can take real life experiences because she's had a life. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Like there's yes. nothing yes. wrong with the brand new therapist, but with 30 years of experience, she's seen some life. So if you come in saying transitions are hard, She's had a transition. If you come in saying, I hate cold weather, well, we had a vortex. She can help you with that. It became an empty nester this year. Yes. So any of the changes and transitions, our lights just went out. That's a transition. Um, (laughs) Any of the transitions and changes that you've been through, chances are Mindy will have some experience with it. That's right. Um, And some life knowledge. So it's not the tools that she has, it's the life knowledge as well. Right, and and I think that's important because I, you know, I I think that there's definitely a little ageism out there, uh-huh. and I don't think I think as being older is, you know, reflective mm-hmm. of more experience. So I'm 57. Okay, but mm-hmm. um, I, I think it's reflective of more life experience. Absolutely, and it, thank you very much. So Mindy, thank, thank you for coming you. out today. Thank, thank you for being a part of the practice. Um, look her up on our website, noelleandassociates.com and .org. Either one will give us the, give you the same thing. And definitely call and work with Mindy. Please do. I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks. Have a great week. All right, Thank guys. You. Bye-bye. Bye. See you next week.